Worthy is the Lamb. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Now, I'm going to be going through several different passages this morning because it's a great day. It's a great day. It's a great day to be alive in Jesus. Jesus arrives at Jerusalem. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and they were come to Bethany, unto the Mount of Olives, that Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied to a colt. Loose them, and bring them to me. And then if any man ought unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straight away he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye, the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the fall, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went. And did as Jesus commanded them, and brought them the ass and the colt. And he put the clothes and sat him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Now we see here that Jesus is now arriving in Jerusalem, and there's a great celebration going on. They were taking palm branches, and they were cutting them, and they were laying them on the ground. As Jesus comes in on this coat, they took their cloaks, their remnants, and they would put them on the ground. If they didn't have palm branches, and they would lay them on the ground so that this colt would walk across onto this place. And they were singing and shouting and praising Hosanna, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And they were singing Jesus' praises as he was coming into town. How many of you this morning would like to get up Monday morning and as you shuffle your way into work, people start throwing palm branches on the floor and their cloaks and singing, singing your praises as you show up? That's what we do for all these high entertainment people, these people that are movie stars or entertainers. What do we do? We go into their concerts. We go and see them and, and we throw a big hurrah. If you watched the Masters at all yesterday when Tiger Woods showed up, there was a big hurrah. Where's the hurrah this morning? Where's the hurrah this morning when we showed up to church? Where's the hurrah when we began to worship our Jesus? Where's the hurrah when we begin to sing the hosannas to our king and we begin to worship him? Where is our happiness? Where is our joy and our praise? You see, church has become tradition. I got to go to church. It's Sunday. I'm hoping the pastor will give me a good message that will carry me through the week. I have no message for you. You see, the message comes from Jesus Christ. 
His message has to carry you through the week. I can't carry you through the week. I'm just a mere mortal man. I depend on the words of my Lord Jesus to carry me, to make me joyful, to make me happy, to make me non-complaining, to make me non-complacent, but to strive me, to carry me each step of every day. Jesus knew what was taking place when he entered into Jerusalem. The disciples didn't want him to go. They knew the writing on the wall. They knew how the Pharisees were all there. This was the Passover. If there was any place Jesus shouldn't have gone, was there. Because they were already stirring a way to try to get rid of him. They were already trying to contemplate a way to destroy him. Why? Because they were threatened. Jesus knew all this would have to take place. He knew that all of this would have to happen. Let me just say this, church. The enemy is trying to destroy you. Just as he tried to destroy Jesus. We knew that wasn't going to happen. But he works diligently upon his people. You see, several weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, probably about six weeks ago, and I had the worst chest pains I'd ever had in a long time. Felt like somebody was sitting on my chest. It's terrible. I, it was so bad, I almost woke Virginia up and said, look, you gotta take me to the hospital. But I didn't. With my stubborn self, I got up by myself, and went and sat on the sofa, kind of reclined, prayed for about an hour, went back to sleep. Woke up about six, oh no, I woke, I woke up because I heard that thing in the back room going, <laughs> it was time to get up. So a few days went by, so I decided I better call this cardiologist of mine, make appointments to go see him. And, of course, he has to do all these tests to deliver you bad news. He said, yeah, you, you've suffered a cardiac infarction. I said, excuse me? Well, yeah, a mild heart attack. Oh, okay. Well, then why didn't you just say that? You know, be, I'm human. I'm, I'm not a medical student. And so he said, oh, no problem. We'll, we'll just do some things. We'll change the medicine. You'll be fine. You see, the enemy is out to destroy us. He is out to get you to be quiet. And the only way he can get a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ quiet is to take you out. I'm not ready to shut up. I'm not ready to be quiet when it comes to my Lord Jesus. I'm not ready to put my smile away because I love Jesus. And I want people to know that I love Jesus. The people loved Jesus as he was entering into Jerusalem. As he was entering into that holy city. They were singing his praises and putting the cloaks on the ground. They were worshiping him.
What happens next? Jesus begins to pray. He takes some of his closest and he goes to the garden and he begins to pray. He prays, Father, if it be, let this hour pass from me. He knew what was coming. The disciples, they didn't have a real clue. Although he had already begun to tell them that he, was, he had to leave for them to live. Church, think about that for a minute. Jesus had to leave for us to live. As Phil was talking this morning, eternity. Jesus had to leave for us to live for eternity. And as he prayed diligently in the garden, he had his disciples on the outside of the garden. And what did he tell them to do? Pray. All they had to do is pray. Now I'm going to put some of y'all on the spot this morning. Oh, you weren't prepared for this, neither was I. How many of us started diligently praying and then just fell off to sleep? I have. I have. I have, I have found myself praying for something, so I just fell right off to sleep. I think, well, God must want me to get rest. These disciples, they fell asleep. And Jesus comes out in the garden. He wakes up. Can't you, can't you stay awake for an hour? Can't you pray for an hour? You know, the problem with us Christians is we don't pray for an hour anymore. We pray for five minutes or ten minutes. Oh, some of us, maybe a couple minutes. Jesus, thank you for this food. Blessed in my body. Amen. There's your prayer for the day. Listen, church. Jesus wants us to diligently seek him. We can't do that unless we pray. How can you know what God wants you to do if you don't pray? How do you know where Jesus wants you to go if you don't pray? He's going to the cross. He knows it. He wants these disciples to pray for him. But they're not praying. They're sleeping. And he gathers the disciples together. In the upper room. And he brings forth a loaf of bread. An unloaving bread. And he, and he breaks it. And he gives thanks. But it's not just that simple, church. He begins to talk to them about betrayal. How many has ever been betrayed by a friend? I think everybody in this room probably could say, I've been betrayed by somebody. But let me just tell you this. I know a person who will never, ever betray you, and that's Jesus. Jesus will stand beside you no matter what your situations are, no matter what your sin is, he will stand by you. He calls us to repentance. But as Jesus is there, he's gathered there with his disciples, he begins to talk to them about betrayal. And they're looking at him like, who, me? I wouldn't, I would never betray you. I wouldn't do that. Especially sitting there. We wouldn't tell anybody our, our secrets of sin because we don't want anybody to know what we're like. You don't tell people what's going on in your life because you don't want people to know. Come on. I don't hear no amens out there. Somebody fell asleep on me. 
We're going to have to start over. The next church will be coming in. We'll be right in the middle of the message. Listen, I'm telling you, church. Palm Sunday, a Sunday that we gather together and we recognize that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem is just a part of the story. We have to realize why it was all taking place. You see, it's all because of the cross. All this begins to take place. He points out Judas Iscariot. Does he humbly say, Jesus, I'm sorry? Jesus, help me not to betray you? No. He gets up and he runs out of the room. Only to find out a little bit later when all the disciples are together and they're out and about, here comes a band of soldiers. Jesus is sold out for 30 pieces of silver. They come and they gather and they're going to take him away. And what does he do? He goes up and he kisses Jesus right on the cheek. I tell you, when the enemy gets involved, it can get really ugly. Really fast. Because let me just tell you, the enemy isn't a slow, how you say, biological or whatever maneuver. He, when, when the enemy comes in, he comes in like a roaring lion seeking to devour, to destroy quickly. He's going in for the kill quickly. The enemy is not going to take his time. He wants to turn you away from the Savior. Because the more you pray, the more you read, the more you study the Word of God, the further away He gets from you. Amen? You see, He doesn't want to be removed from you. He wants to devour you. He wants to conquer you. And when those band of soldiers showed up, what happens? All of a sudden, some of these disciples, they get brave. They pull out a sword. And they cut off the ear of the soldier. And Jesus says, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And he takes the ear off of the ground and he places it back on his head. And miraculously, the Jesus superglue lets the ear stick. It's healed instantaneously. I don't know about you, but if I was those soldiers and I saw this very thing take place, I don't know that I could have arrested him. I would have run. I'd have left the scene. But that's not what took place. You see, all of this church had to be fulfilled. All of this had to come into being. And then we move to the next portion. Jesus is then taken before Pilate and Herod in Luke 23. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. 
saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus simply answered him with three simple words. Thou said it, it. Thou sayest it. And then Pilate, to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all of Jewry, being from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether he was a man of Galilean. And soon, and as the story continues to go on, Jesus has to go from one trial to another. You know what I'm talking about. He has to go from one trial to another. And neither one of them could accuse him. Neither one of them could find fault in him. So what do they do? They ask the people. And the people want him crucified. This very same people that were worshiping him and praising him as he entered into Jerusalem are the same people who are now yelling, crucify him. But they have to let somebody go. So they take the vilest of sinners, a murderer, a killer named Barabbas. And they let Barabbas go free. And our king now has to go to the cross. You see, church, when I begin to think of Palm Sunday, I don't begin to think about the triumphal entry and how beautiful it must have been and how, how everything must have flown into purpose and everything flew into time, just as the word was told to us. But you would have thought there would have been a great celebration. And it should have been a great celebration. But when the enemy is involved, nothing is a great celebration. Jesus knew all this was going to take place. Jesus knew from, from the time that he left heaven and showed up on the earth, he knew all things that were going to take place. I always hear people say, well, you know, it was the Christians that killed Jesus. Church, it was the sins of the world that killed Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? It was your sins and my sins that took Jesus to the cross. Why? So that we could be forgiven. So that we can be, the triumph entry now becomes a more celebratory thing for us because the reason of that triumph entry was for your forgiveness. That your sins would be removed. It becomes a celebration for us. Amen. Are your sins removed? Have you asked Jesus to remove your sins? Because he says he'll remove them as far as the east is from the west. My Savior 
went to the cross for my sins. That triumphal entry was the beginning of Jesus moving to the cross to remove my sins. And that I would have eternity with him. I am so thankful this morning that I could be at a place where not only is he here in the midst of us, but we can worship him because of who he is and what he has done. Church, I'm going to just tell you this morning, you can't sell out. There are Christians selling out left and right. As I shared with you last week, 73% of Christians don't believe that Satan is real. 51% of them believe that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Coming from the church. Listen, I've read this Bible from cover to cover. This is my oldest one. It's highlighted all over the place. But I know one thing. This Bible speaks absolute truth. I can take every word of this word that God has given me and I can bank on it. And I can know that it is true. I can know that what he says is true. This week I went to a cabinet shop. Met a young man, 18 years old, named Jesus. Dennis, the owner of the shop, he comes out and says, Pastor, come here, because he knows I'm a pastor. He said, I want you to talk to this young man. He doesn't believe me. I said, well, what do you want me to talk to him about? He said, I want you to tell him where liars go. I said, well, that's pretty simple. The word of God says all liars have their place in the lake of fire. This young man fell on his knees and began to cry. And he asked Jesus into his heart. You see, church, our work is not done. Our work is not done. That triumphal entry prompted our calling, prompted our worship, prompted our loving the Lord Jesus Christ with everything that is within us. And it's, and it's not just to keep inside of the walls of this church, but it's to take to the world. That cross, church, demonstrates the world, what Jesus did for the world, not just for us. And therefore, we must remind people of the triumphal entry. Because that triumphal entry, just as Phil said, was for eternity. To take us into eternity. Father, I thank you this morning. 
Father God, I'm so thankful this morning that you, you took that walk. Lord, we knew that you were going to, but Lord, you took that walk. Even when you asked for your Father to help this hour just escape you, Lord, you went. Father, may we be as obedient to the Word of God. Lord, may we hold the Word true to our heart, the, the absolute truth. May we live it. May we proclaim it. May the world know that we are one of His children. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen.